<laughs> you better put this in. You better leave this in. You're recording this, right? Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks. How are you? I'm actually very good indeed. I'm rocking a roll yeah, neck. I've just had. <laughs> I've just had. Chuck, I am. Are you after a vibe check? Roll next season. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not after a vibe check. This is roll next season and I've had chocolate cake for breakfast, so I'm very happy indeed. Good Lord. Cakes, it's the cake cast. Start the week as you mean to go on. So chipper. Sugary. I'm feeling so good. Exactly. Sugary, not spicy. I have been spiced on previous podcasts, but not this one. It's all sweetness for me. Speaking of spicy, got a Berlin food update. Oh, what's that? On Saturday, I went to the new Pakistani cafe in Kreuzberg. You went? I went to Mama Shab's. I got there. I I was the first person in there. 11am. Got my Nahari. Was it the truth? I'm just glad it's there, put it that way. You're glad it's there? I recommend it. Good start. Mama Shab's in Kreuzberg. Every Saturday they do Nahari. Good prices as well? Reasonable. I'm intrigued. It's a good space as well. Good coffee. I've got to say this, Ryan. A lot of people say it. They talk about it, but you go and do it. You do it. As Method Man said, they talk about it while you live it. Hey, man, you've got to walk the walk. (laughs) We're doing well with references, actually. (laughs) Was there any football this weekend? (laughs) There was football. There was was actually a lot of very good It was a record-breaking weekend. It was. Women's Super League. What a great weekend. Well, everywhere, pretty much. Really? Yeah, France as well. And Finland? Yep. Oh, God. Where should we start? Let's start with... First of all, let's start with... Women's Super League. Godstock the Derby. I was going to start with um, Lyon PSG, because that broke the record for uh, women's French Division 1 attendance. Oh, wow. How many did they get in? Uh, There was over 30,000. Oh, that's fantastic. It was the first time that more than 30,000 people have watched a women's game women's top flight game in France. Did they host at the Lyon Stadium then? Yes. Oh, that's great. They beat PSG 1-0 to go three points clear at the top. I love how that league is close actually because those teams need, I mean, that's the thing. If you think about the teams that can do really exciting things in the Champions League, they're all being chased in the league and in Wolfsburg's case, in the cup as well. Arsenal, Lyon and Wolfsburg all having to fight one close challenger at least. So that's good. Good sign. And then obviously the Women's Super League most attended weekend in women's Super League history. Well, this is the wild thing. I think the uh, the, the Merseyside Derby, they got like 20 odd thousand, 23. Yeah. yeah, and their average crowd, Liverpool, is like, it's about 500. So mm-hmm. for them to get that visibility is just awesome. And then there was over 30,000 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. It felt for the like, North London Derby. It looked like more from the TV. Um and the, the commentator was a bit surprised. It was like, you know, the capacity is like 60-odd. It looked, it looked like a lot more than 30-something thousand, mm. 38,000. But yeah. And a good game, actually, once it opened up. Yeah. Should we just get into that, actually? Yeah, do it. Going into the game. Yeah. So uh, for those who didn't see the game, Arsenal prevailed 2-0. And it was interesting because the first half, Arsenal weren't playing to their strengths, I would say. So if you, only because like so much of Arsenal's strength for me is down the right side, Lisa Evans, but very often... Van der Donk was taking positions more advanced on the right flank. And it was almost like she'd been told to tuck in Lisa Evans to give, maybe make the midfield more compact. And they used a lot of the left side, but that wasn't really profitable. 
And considering how good Spurs were at defending deep, I was surprised Arsenal didn't shoot more from distance because they've got, Arsenal probably have like three or four of the best strikers of ball from distance in, in that division. You know, Beth Mead, I think in particular. Um, so I think Spurs, I mean, that's not to sort of denigrate Spurs because Spurs were very effective and their game plan seemed to be spring attacks down the left, which we'd seen them do actually against Chelsea in the opening game of the season. And they had a lot of joy down the left and mm. arguably should have scored at least once through Kit Graham. So they went to the half at nil-nil and Arsenal basically prevailed because their midfield was dominant. Kim Little was... Best player on the pitch, I thought. Outstanding, outstanding. I mean, she's incredible. She just ran it, didn't she? Yeah. She was really, yeah, yeah. Her goal was brilliant. Oh my goodness. It was... <laughs> Yeah, so what was it? Um, it knocked down to her edge of the box, threw a shimmy, like shook out of field behind her boots, then curled it into the bottom corner. Yeah, glorious strike. I mean, Arsenal needed that win because both Chelsea and Man City had won. Mm. Chelsea are still top by a point over Manchester City and Arsenal. And Chelsea getting a very sort of Chelsea win as far as they've been this season. Manchester United. Very comp- United have been great. I've got to say, actually, it's been so good to have those teams up in this league. Yeah, definitely. Because they've both got, they've actually probably got quite similar records. They've both won three, lost three. And they're not teams that will win the league, but I think they'll be decisive in the destination of the league, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're going to take points off the eventual winners. Um, should we go, just kind of like go straight into questions when we... Yeah, sure, yeah. Because there was a sure. really good question that we got from Sana Qureshi. Yeah. Because obviously there was the Merseyside derby, which yeah. Everton won. They're yeah. three points behind Arsenal now in fourth. Obviously North London derby. She wrote a really interesting question, which was, what are the implications, good or bad, of carrying emotional baggage between the men and women's leagues? For example, Everton winning at Anfield, will that impact the men? Do rivalries exist because they're intrinsic or can the women's Super League develop its own too? Ah, that's a great question. And I like this as well because it's something that some uh, people have spoke about with the Spanish League. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think that, I think, can I be honest? There's a slight danger in manufacturing rivalry which doesn't exist already. I'm, I'm concerned about that. I saw a quote on the one of the websites about, oh yeah, it's great to have the tribalism of that. And I thought the best rivalries are organic. The best rivalries come out of nowhere. So like, you know, Crystal Palace Brighton is a great example. I mean, there's no, to me, there's no immediate reason why those teams should hate each other. It's just the Thames link. But they do. And one of the best descriptions I saw of a rivalry was two bald men fighting over a comb, right? The pointlessness. <laughs> and that's the reason why, the reason why derbies are fun is because they're fundamentally pointless. And I think trying to, impose a fundamentally pointless relationship on a new league just to promote it, I think is, is problematic. That makes sense? Yeah. So yeah, I suppose in answer to Sana's question, I would say, yeah, just let the thing grow. Like, don't keep egging it. Okay, yeah, like, we know it's Spurs Arsenal, but if these teams don't have a grudge, then let it be. It's cool. Well, I it's think, just good football. I think that's always going to be there though with teams like Spurs and Arsenal because the rivalry is there. You yeah, know? yeah. But also Spurs coming up to the Women's Super League this year, they kind of want to make an impact and, you know, just having a North London derby in the Super League is good. Yeah. Being at Spurs' stadium, you know, there was a lot that went into it that made it more feel like a proper derby. That's right, yeah. I'm not entirely sure whether, say, for example, Everton beating Liverpool will translate to anything into the men's league. Not yet. But in a way, I'm kind of, nor should it, you know, and vice versa. For example, in the Spanish League, which we'll get on to actually, because this was something that was missing from the weekend. Well, that's got the great derby, doesn't it? The um, Atleti. Well, Atleti Barca, Barca is yeah. like the Clasico there. Right, yeah. And now Real Madrid have bought the club and they haven't even changed their name to Real Madrid yet. And they tried to manufacture that as like the, the Clasico in it. Yeah, but I love that. See, that's the thing. That's why I love why Atleti 
has become that rivalry with Barca in, in Spain because yeah. it's, it's just a different energy to it. Yeah. The beauty of derbies isn't just, is that they're all similar in their intensity, but they're all different in their kind of sort of external character. They have that common theme, like, you know, all derbies are intense, but the sort of the history, the texture is, is really exciting. And when I heard Atleti Barca, like, have this thing, I was like, oh, that's great. That's a whole new dynamic I wasn't aware of. It's like in France, I suppose, as well, because, you know, in the men's game, Le Classique is PSG and Marseille, but really in the women's game, it's PSG and Lyon. Yeah, right. Oh, that's a great example. Exactly. That's a great question. Can I say actually as well to all Stadio listeners, the questions this week, when I saw them, I did sort of like a brain exploding emoji because I'm like, these are so textured. They were so good that Moose had to go and eat chocolate cake. Yeah, that's my excuse. Yep, yep, yep. It was a really amazing, positive weekend for women's football. Mm. I think we can all agree. The yep. one major league that was missing was the Spanish league because there's a strike going on. I will not go into it in a huge amount of detail, but I will refer you to a really great Twitter account, Bia Redondo. How do you spell that? L-N-I-Y-I is her Twitter handle. So this weekend, all the games were pretty much impacted. But yeah, Bia's written some brilliant stuff about it, like loads of info. Fantastic. And she's actually a really good follow for women's football in Spain. But yeah. It's a shame, really, because that would have been really good if there was... A full suite, yeah. And, and actually, yeah. the thing that I found really cool was that there were so many people at Women's Super League games over the weekend on a day, like on the Sunday when England were playing pretty soon after. So people were probably going to miss the start of that, those games. I've noticed a lot of people, just anecdotally, but on the social media, were watching the the derby much more intently than the England-Kosovo. And I thought, oh, that's that's nice. That feels a bit... Yeah, I mean... Different. Yeah, um, in gospel, yeah, yeah. England qualifiers... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're not even getting into that. Yeah. Should we take a quick break and then come back with questions? And- Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. Before we get into questions and a little bit of the international men's football, we've got an Ian Wright interview coming up this week. We do indeed. So it's part two of a potentially ongoing series yep, yep. of The Art of Finishing, where we interview strikers. About the art of finishing. Very much so. Thanks to everyone who sent us really lovely feedback about the Gary Lineker one last week. The Ian Wright one's coming up this week. Should we play a snip? Yeah, let's do it. Let's All right, do here's, it. A, here's a little trailer of Ian Wright talking about trash talking. You're this interesting mix of um, very animated, but you're this brutally cold-blooded finisher. I see basketball players, like Michael Jordan did that, right? Mm. He, was the, he talked so much, but then when it came to shoot, he was brutal. And I'm like, how much did you talk? What did you say to defenders? Like, are you constantly talking? In the- I, I don't know. I'd, I'd say to them, listen, you was, even if it wasn't true, I'd say to him, you was the focal point of like, our boss's talk. He said, you're the one I should play on. You're the one who's going to give me something. <laughs> and, you know, you'd say that to him. And even if he... <laughs> <laughs> Even if it didn't happen, you could say, he's thinking, oh, shit, man, they're talking about me. <laughs> and the same with the goalkeeper. So the goalkeeper said, you, 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 you pat a lot of down. I go, we, we've seen it. The goalkeeper coach told me, watch him. Doesn't grab anything. Follow him in all the time. And you know what I mean? And so you say that to them just to just to make them think about it, even if they're thinking, talking bollocks. It goes in there. It goes in there. So they know. And I say, yeah, if you drop it, next thing you're going to hear is the crowd. You know what I mean? <laughs> the man himself. Uh, Featuring a heavy dose of your laugh. <laughs> Give the people what they want, Moose. Give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. That was, 
because we recorded those back to back, the yeah, after each other. So this was just an incredible, I think it's my best week of football writing or just my best football experience to record with Gary Lineker and then Ian Wright and then go to the game with him. We watched the game with him. Is that my greatest 40 hours of football? I think it is. I got an Uber all the way back from North London because it was, I missed my last train. It, it was 2am. But I was like, you know what? Treat yourself. What a day. And we really hope you enjoy the interview. I mean, I think it comes across how much we enjoyed it, but I think, I think he really enjoyed it actually. I yeah, think, I do I, as well. Yeah, I, think it was, um, I was on the um, Askcast on Friday talking mm. to Andrew a little bit about it. And I was saying, I don't think Ian Wright is truly, truly appreciated in Me terms neither. of how good he was. And I, I really think that if he was playing now, he'd be like a hundred, hundred million plus striker. I've said this and before. And he'd end up yeah. at Barca. He could play for Barca right now. Yeah, right? They, they need him. Ian Wright was, I, I've said, I compared him to David Villa before. I think he had, and when I say that with the greatest compliment, I think if you look at Villa and Wright, there's conversation with both of them about not being fully appreciated. Mm. I think that's right. I think they were just so good for so long everything that a striker does. I mean, there are strikers that get much more fanfare who are much more limited. We yeah. won't name, I'm not going to be... Alan Shearer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I was going to name another particular striker who seems to have spent the last three, four years marketing himself. Okay, one sec, let's turn the mics off. Oh, bye. There are strikers who market themselves aggressively and strikers who don't. And Ian Wright, for all his like, you know, fun guy personality, didn't market himself in that way. He didn't run a campaign for himself. Just got the job done and was an extraordinary player. He was amazing. Yeah, think, so I, he really gets into the nitty gritty of exactly. and all the science behind it. And I yeah. think that's the thing because he's such a personality. Yeah. It's just really interesting hearing him get into the actual, like, I mean, basically he's a scientist. Exactly. And that was a, I think Wenger you know I mean? said that. Wenger said, I think it comes up in the interview. Wenger said, there's such a contrast between your personality a loud extrovert and then the cold-eyed finishing yeah the ruthlessness the yeah. efficiency yeah 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 so yeah that's gonna go up thursday i reckon can't wait i can't wait either euro qualifiers how many did you watch musa uh, <laughs> not as many as i should have I, wrote, I watched a fair few um finland qualified they did that was actually my shout out that oh, was my shout- sorry. I keep taking your shout outs off you nah it's fine it's fine don't worry about it finland's first qualification for a major tournament amazing Absolutely wonderful. Beat Liechtenstein 3-0 and they're through. Shout out to Timo Pukki who doing the work again, the Lord's work. So yeah, great, great work from Finland. Elsewhere, Germany beat Belarus 4-0. Rocking a very strong new kit. I'm not sure about it. Oh. Do you know why? It looks nice, but from a, from a perspective of vanity, I can't wear horizontal lines. Oh, so in, no, no, no. I'm just saying that it's a lovely kit. Listen, some of my best friends are going to wear that kit and buy it and be proud. But for me, I've just got to opt out. So I'm not dissing the kit. I'm just well, saying. You don't have to buy a kit. Well, I'm just saying I preferred vertical lines. I was like, I like that. But is there like a vertical line version? It's all the myth that, you know. The middle-aged spread. No, it's true. No, it's a myth. Well. It's like the black and blue thing. Have you got a middle-aged spread? No, you don't. So you I've wouldn't. I've got a early middle-aged I've spread. Got a bud- well, I've got, you've got a budding belly. I've got the full blown. I've got, you've got the trade. Hey, what the hell? I've got the feature film. The Spain kit. That is beautiful. See, this confuses me that you love the Spain kit, but you're not wild about the Germany one. The Spain kit belongs in like the Guggenheim or something. You could hang that. Like it's, it is art. I mean, you can hang it because it's a football shirt. But, you but, literally can hang it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, for, the, for those who are taking the high road like me, for those who haven't seen the Spain kit, the Spain shirt is like, it looks, you know what, it's one of the first football shirts that looks like vintage Spain played. 
It's like, if you asked Goya, if you commissioned Goya to paint a Spain kit and be like, oh, please capture for me the fury and the beauty of the Spanish It does way, look like it's been painted. It, it's beautiful. I think it is based on sort of the art concept and it's, oh. I've got to say, I'm quite into this new load of Adidas kits that they've, they've dropped from the men's team. The Belgian one as well. Yeah, and the Argentina away one. Ooh. The Sweden one's really good. Do you know what, can I be honest with you? I know some football kits where, play, where players are watching going, oh, I wish I hadn't retired two years early. Like, I wish I could have played. You know, when Messi came out of retirement, I was like, did someone send him a new kit? Like, yeah, yeah. it's just... The- <laughs> actually, he looked great in the uh, the away one when they beat Brazil, didn't they? Yeah, he looked amazing, actually. Yeah, big kit talk. Good times, good so times. So the full list of qualified teams so far, Austria, Belgium, Croatia, Czech Republic, England, Finland, France, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Portugal, Poland, Russia, Spain, Sweden, Turkey, Ukraine. The brothers Hazard scored for Belgium. They did. The Dukes of Hazard. Hazard squared. Yes, Hazard squared. Lukaku got one as well. And Russia refused to wear their kit, the other desk kit, because it looked too similar to the Serbia kit. Which oh, is what? what? I know it's wild. I was oh, like, wow. <laughs> nationalism. Poor Adidas. Can you imagine the press department? <laughs> <laughs> you started a minor international incident. Oh, my goodness. Um, let's get into some questions. One yeah, from sure. Ahmed Youssef. Oh, Ahmed, how's it going? You know, you know Ahmed's replying to that. You know where he's sitting. He's going, this is interactive. Have faith in the people. Have faith in the people. They are interacting with us. I have faith in everyone. That's my problem. <laughs> oh my God. That's... Talk about looking to the abyss. It's got all Nietzsche. Oh my goodness. The clouds descend. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel plays. Oh my goodness. Anyway, Ahmed's question. How does football begin to move away from the Euro slash Western centric lens? International breaks are good, for example, often derided, but very important for smaller nations. He goes on to talk about watching Somalia almost qualify for the second stage of the World Cup qualification, which was massive for the context of the country at the moment. Yeah, I think, Ahmed, I think that's the responsibilities on people like, like ourselves to talk about it more. So I saw that South Sudan were playing. I saw that Uganda were playing Malawi and neither of which games I caught. And like, that's my heritage. My family's from the South Sudan, Uganda region. So I think maybe over time, just making a conscious choice to pay more attention to it. This goes into our accessibility yeah. thing though, yeah. which we have a beef with stuff like the Continental Cup Such in England. Such a hassle getting any, even even now getting highlights. Oh God, I just realised we didn't even talk about the Frown Pokal. Yes, we'll get to that. So actually very quickly, yeah. So on the access thing, shout out to the FA player for actually uploading full matches. Yeah. So you can see the full games. You can watch the whole thing back. Yeah, well, this wonderful. is the thing about that. It's really annoying when they don't do that for the Continental Cup. Yeah. So Ahmed, I think part of it is, you know, obviously people like ourselves commenting on it more, but also just having that available to watch. So everyone can share that experience because it's really hard mm. to hunt around for those games. Yeah. find them, yeah. The most interesting games don't tend to be the ones from the biggest countries right. in the international break, which therefore means that it's harder to see them. People want to see Messi, so they put the Argentina game on. Or yeah. people want to see Neymar, so they put the Brazil game on, for example. Yeah, good point. It'd be so amazing, actually, to have this availability. just so, Because you know what's really amazing about football is that when people are watching a game, and it happens over the World Cup a lot, you see like a group game, which is not expected to be that good. Mm. And then, of course, someone sent a couple of tweets out going, hey, uh, tune in, this game's nuts. You know, in the old days, people actually used to buy televisions from stores instead of ordering them online. And you'd walk past a shop and see a game on. Yeah. And the game would be so good that like within about five minutes, you'd have a crowd of like 10 people. You know what I mean? It's like that. And I think online, the experience is like that, where if the stuff is just available, then I have faith in the quality of journalists and other sort of people online who have quite influential followings to just raise the awareness of it. Yeah. But you've got to have it there fundamentally, first of all. Yeah. I think, I think like this season, for example, in Germany, where we are, the zone have started showing the Frauen Bundesliga, which yeah. is good. 
Uh, they didn't show the Pokal though. So they, I think that was on terrestrial TV. Oh, right. Okay. On the weekend. And shout out to YouTube who've started actually streaming Women's Champions League too for free. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, a lot of the clubs in Germany stream their own games on YouTube when they can. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to cover quickly Wolfsburg beat Bayern? Now that was very interesting. So um, I've also went through the quarters, I think, and with a 3-1 win over Bayern, but not as not remotely as straightforward as the scoreline suggests. I mean, 3-1 is quite close anyway. But it was one all until five minutes till the end. Keeper came up. Yeah, and, and actually they hit the bar. Actually, Wolfsburg went a goal up through, uh, shout out to Eva Payol, who scored twice, um, the opener and the decisive goal. And... Ayapayo had a bad injury actually earlier this season. Mm. So for her to come back and still be one of the leading scorers just shows how good a season she's having. And she was again vital. And can I say shout out to Wolfsburg at the away kit, which is I think the best away kit I've seen so far. It's really season. nice that kit. Yeah. Really nice, yeah. And the men the men have it too. It's mm. a kit. So they won a goal up. Um Wolfsburg bad missing power at first, but she pulled it back with a, a goal to open. Uh Damianovic scored on the stroke of half time for Bayern, and then it was really close. And I think this is the game that Wolfsburg needed. They're three points ahead of Hoffenheim in the league, but they would do a, t- a really tough match. This is their first really tough game of the season. They're playing uh, Bayern actually at the weekend. They're playing them in the league. So this was the challenge they needed. They broke away and scored in the last minute after the keeper come up um, to try and equalise quite desperately. But yeah, like a really strong showing from Bayern, at Bayern admittedly. Mm. They've got them at home in the league on Saturday yep. coming up. And if Wolfsburg beat Bayern... That will be nine points, the gap. Wolfsburg obviously still on a 100% record yeah. in the league. And if Hoffenheim win, Bayern are then six points off the Champions League spot. One thing, there's an opportunity, I think, for Bayern, actually. And it's a problem you're seeing with a couple of the ball-playing teams. We saw it with France at the World Cup. We've seen it with Arsenal early in the season. And we actually saw it with Arsenal against Spurs. Teams that have so much possession playing out from the back sometimes aren't quite as sharp as they could be defensively just because they're just not used to that configuration. They're not used to people getting through the defensive midfield position and really attacking directly the centre-backs. So that was where Wolfsburg showed a weakness. And you saw actually when the first goal went, when the, when the Bayern goal went in, Alexander Pop just hands up in frustration going, look at the marking here. Like three of you have bunched the near post. So you have three Wolfsburg defenders crashing the left winger and then leaving um, Damianovic alone in like five yards of space. And I think that's just a flaw. If you look at the kind of key ball playing teams in the Champions League, Women's Champions League, they all have that kind of slight flaw playing out from the back. Occupational hazard, I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we've got a question, which is, oh, we had one from um, Kunle Ajeo. Can you guys give Finland much love? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the love. All the love. One from Miles Herbert. Do you think the referee handled the racism incident in Holland particularly well? Obviously more can be done, but interested what you guys think about this approach. All right, so for those who aren't aware, there was no Aerie Divisi this weekend because of the international break, but there was an Erste Divisi game between Excelsior and Den Bosch. And in the 28th minute, the referee suspended the game. And it's the first time that a professional game has ever has been suspended in the Netherlands because of racism. So he suspended the game because Ahmad Mendes Marrera was complaining to the referee about racial abuse coming from the stands. So they suspended the game for a bit. Then play resumed. I'm not sure how long it was suspended for. Marrera scored about a quarter of an hour after they started again. Ran around cup in his ear. Wow, okay. Uh, game finished 3 all, and there were some reports about Nazi salutes as well. Wow, So okay. the Dutch Football Federation is investigating it now and said its protocol and offensive chanting had been correctly followed and it's investigating the racism allegations. 
Sounds like the ref stood tall. I think it's... Uh, what the fuck can we really you know, say about here's, this here's, here's the crazy thing. The fact that I didn't even like... There's just so much of this stuff now that, like, you can't catch all of it. Before, there'd be, like, racist incident, and you'd, and, oh, you'd actually catch it. But now it just feels like... I mean, that's why I was... I, and I, I rate the ref for that. I don't yeah, know I do. more the details, but it just sounds like... It sounds like the ref took responsibility yeah, and didn't leave it proactive. up to the, the, the kind of... Again, putting the responsibility on the victims. Exactly. It's like, right, let's go. Right. And, and, and I rate that. that yeah. yeah, I do as well. And that's what... I, we've said this before. The responsibility of what happens needs to stop being placed on the victims. Right. And can I say this as well? It's funny because, you know, we play a lot of amateur football, I have done in my case. And we had a ref, ref in one of our games recently... And it wasn't anything like that, bad, but, but just the way that a ref came in and the game was getting a bit like feisty and just stepped in and just like sorted it out, regulated it. I thought that actually, that kind of custodial role is so important. And it, I'm so glad to see a ref just coming in and calling shots like that. Yeah. And the fact that a ref is now seeing the game as like, my role isn't just game management, but to an extent, almost crowd management. I think that's the thing. If we empower refs to do more of that, the more the better. So yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to the ref. We had a question from Greg Johnson. Ah. How can international football possibly continue in its current form given the need to cut flights to prevent climate disaster? How can the game adapt? This is a really good question. First of all, thanks Greg. This is a great question because climate change occupies so much of my waking hours in terms of my thoughts. In an ideal world, and UEFA has shown positive steps in that direction with its uh, announcement quite recently to invest in offsetting, carbon offsetting. UEFA, I think, needs to be even more proactive in saying that we shouldn't be emitting this stuff in the first place. So for example, I think Euro 2020 is a great opportunity to partner with, let's say, rail organisations for subsidised travel Mm. and really encourage high-speed rail because that is really, to use the cliche, it's really an open goal in terms of looking at globalised world, globalised cross-border transport systems and encourage that. Like football can take a lead in that. International football is always going to have a proliferation of flights. But flights between continents, certainly that's an issue. But where you can avoid flying over land masses, then avoid it. You know, that is a practical step, I think. Yeah. I was thinking about this question because, I mean, to find a solution for something like that is way above I mean, my level of intellectual. My, well, mine too, to be honest. But I'm more arrogant than you, so I suggested an idea. But, that's, yeah. but well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back with my, my own idea now. So, you know. Oh, there we go. <laughs> the confidence pokes out. <laughs> There he is. There he is. The only thing I could think about off the top of my head was to put a limit on the radius of clubs that can be drawn against each other in certain pools of qualifying. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I also wondered whether this might lead on to something else, which could be quite positive, which was to... Create rivalries. Not necessarily that, but lead to more surprises in the latter stages of tournaments. Because teams are unknown quantities. Say, for example, if you go to kind of Eastern Europe and you put a certain amount of miles or kilometers on like so basically you can't have two teams in the same group that are further than x amount apart right right yeah so you can encourage shorter travel distances which would therefore encourage rail travel yeah but then you know say for example Bayern and Barca might knock each other out in the group stage or Real Madrid and PSG might knock each other out in the group stage and you might get someone like Shakhtar into the quarterfinals see, of the I, Champions League. I love that because if you suggested that, see, if you suggest that as a motive or as a plan, you force people 
whose only motive is profit to show their hands. You say, oh, why not keep it regional? They're like, oh, but we can't risk having, because someone's got to come out and say, we can't risk having Bayern and Barca knock each other out. But yeah. someone, by phrasing that question, you're not only doing it from a football or moral perspective, you're also forcing people in football to expose their agenda. Because no one's ever really come out and said, we can't afford to have these teams knocked out early. Mm. That's a great idea. And also, and, and in, in, quite, in yeah, the Euro qualifiers as well, it would provide a, a shorter route for quote-unquote smaller nations to make international tournaments. I mean, I, I literally spent 15 minutes maximum thinking about it, including the time I'm talking about it now. So there but will such be, a great... undoubtedly be holes in it, but it was just the first thing that came to my mind. Like, And the great thing about that is it's easy to market as well. Like the zone, there's something so old school, you know, like, like a team, like you have in the NBA, a team coming out of the East. I know yeah. they travel all over, but the concept of a team coming out of the East to play against the West. Mm. And then you create, it creates its own sort of mythology. And of course, what football needs is mythologies well like, imagine if you had a euros group like a qualifying group which was just england scotland wales northern ireland and the republic of ireland the home international tournaments yeah and then you had another one which was just portugal spain the iberian standoff but yeah then maybe I, have like you know italy austria something like that you know so it's or switzerland so it's not all the mass you don't have the like, alps oh my goodness you could do something incredible yeah, with that scandinavian and could, one and then make it really self-contained and then make each sort of group almost like a mini tournament because like, actually sense, thinking yeah. about it then you're playing against neighboring countries which means that each game is going to be way more intense <laughs> back to sana's question about rivalries but well, yeah no 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 but absolutely no right but that that is actually the beauty of right. Am I just sold football? You have. You and sold climate it. change at once. Do you, do you know what? We're not. Do you know from what? The, from the out the back of a cafe in Berlin on a Monday <laughs> so- morning, I've, I've I've figured it all out. Everyone, <laughs> let's go home, everyone. Crisis averted. <laughs> I need to, <laughs> need to update my LinkedIn page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Um, but cheers, Greg. That was a really good question. Yeah, I enjoyed that. These are such good questions. This I enjoyed week. solving yeah. the world. <laughs> I think we should wrap up so yep. let's finish on a really fun question because i like ones like this cool cool this is from our good friend polar bear oh the great man himself stephen camden outstanding children's writer poet man about town if you were 18 years old and proper talented and had free choice of any club in europe to join which would you choose would it be different if you were a defender midfielder or attacker now we play different positions you and yeah I. yeah the true true so you're a self-appointed pass first striker oh <laughs> Which is bullshit. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's one for the ASMR fans. I'm not, I'm not a pass first A little bit of ASMR slander. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And I am a central midfielder. Okay. So where would you go if you had to? Uh, If I was 18 years old now. Oh, just think about that for a second. I know I go. How quick I'd be. I know I go. Go on, you go. Sociedad. Do you know why? They need a striker. Yeah, exactly. Do you know those teams that, that sun, food, and they need a striker? You'd get regular games there. You have outstanding playmakers who can play on the counter or against deep line teams. So the styles, you'd learn so much. You'd learn so much. Sociedad is basically Hoffenheim with sun. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, in terms of like Hoffenheim, having those young coaches who are brilliant, who can redevelop your game. So you get a great football education there, great social life, and you'd be... You'd be a team where the expectations were low. So anything you achieved would be like, oh, great, like young kid doing well. Anything you do well is a bonus. Yeah, I think that'd be a great incubator. I think. What a great question that I is. Know. Oh my God, it's so good. I mean, you think Sociedad. Yeah. It's so sick. 
Odegaard. Oh, the food Yanis as well. And the food, know, it's, it's sad, Sebastian. It's, it's hipster, but you're also like, ah, oh, damn, like that's good. It's hipster, but he's right. Yeah, he's exa- exactly. I'm stumped. I'm like, you know, the whole like biting your fist. Um, Arthur clutching his fist. <laughs> yeah, the meme. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think. Midfielders have more options though. We do. A lot more options. See, the first one that came to mind was St. Etienne, and I don't know why. Because of their history, though. They've been so good at young players. I just think they're really good for development. Yeah, they're really good for that. They've been, since the 7th, they've been yeah. they're, they're amazing at that. Yeah. So, you know, being 18 years old, that would be quite fun. It's so cool coming out Learn to Learn French, you know. Where was Guendouzi? Uh, Lorient. And do you remember how someone said, was it someone said, yeah, Lorient, they've always got interesting players. When they bought from when they bought Gondosi, that was yes, Lorient, yes, interesting club. And they they've yeah. got that kind of history of really grooming players. For me, it's it's the weather as well, though the weather and the food. Well, the other one I was thinking of was Betis. Betis is a great shout because it's less a little less pressure than Sevilla. I thought you might say Betis. Did you? Yeah, I did. I thought you might say Betis. And I just think me and William Carvalho could. I reckon we could do a job there. It'd be levels and Fakir. You could not have to kick people. Well, Fakir <laughs> would be playing ahead of us. You know, I'm kind of more of an eight, I suppose. Well, I can play number six you'd learn a lot from Fekir as well but you'd but you know what in fact if I was 18 years old and I could grow proper facial hair at that age I'd make sure I had a moustache as well so me and William Carvalho would be like the only mustachioed midfield pairing in Europe can you imagine just arriving in a bar with each other that'd be so cool the lads around town Bill and Rye so much fun <laughs> exit adventure <laughs> that that is so I mean it has to be the Spanish league doesn't it because it's a good place for a midfielder it's a good place for a midfielder, for a young player, because there are just so many tough games. Let's uh, extend this question quickly before we go, but keep it short. Okay, so where do you think would be best for me, 18-year-old central midfielder of Ryan Hun? And I'll tell you where I think 18-year-old pass-first striker, Musa Gwonga, should be. I'm not a pass-first striker. Let's not, let's not, let's, let's disabuse ourselves of that notion. Not, he's a shy poet, not a shy striker. You're number eight. So I think the best place for you Right now, Dortmund. <laughs> it's Dortmund. <laughs> it's Dortmund because they haven't solved. They haven't solved. It's me and Jaden, the England boys at Dortmund. Yeah, do you know why? Because they haven't solved match control. They haven't got it. And I think you... You've seen me play. Yeah, I think you could help them have match control. They're not afraid of young players. They're, they're happy to give young players responsibility. They gave Pulisic responsibility. One of the great cameos I saw was Pulisic in the Champions League coming on against Real and just shredding them. Yeah. And you could do that. Yeah, I think... This is an unbelievable conversation. Anyway, do you want to know where mine is for you? Oh, God. Celtic. Ooh, yes. They do like a Musa up front. Exactly. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, no, I couldn't play Celtic. Horizontal hoops. Oh, give over. I can't. No, it's for the... Yeah, but you'd be 18 years old and a professional footballer. You wouldn't wouldn't be that big. Foreshadowing, though, foreshadowing. Yeah, but you'd be retired at your age. That's true, actually. Okay. So would I probably, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd be in the MLS. <laughs> yeah, Celtic, I, I like that. Yeah, there you go. I love Glasgow as well. There we go. It's done. It's done. See you soon, lads. Just like this podcast. <laughs> Thanks for all the questions. That was really fun. So much fun. We are on Twitter, at Stadio. We are on Instagram, at Stadio Football. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and a review. It really helps us grow the podcast. If you haven't gone and checked it, Make sure you go and listen to the Gary Lineker one. The Ian Wright podcast will be up this week. Can't wait to share it. And um, we're playing out this week on Yamasuki, Yamayama, 
Hope you enjoy this. I still need to do the playlist. I'll get the playlist sorted soon. I'm sorry. All good. Sorry, everyone. It's been quite busy here. Has indeed. It has indeed. Uh, we'll be back in a few days. Catch you soon. Bye.